Welcome to the New City Fellowship West End Sermon Podcast. We hope and pray this message equips, empowers, and encourages you. And now, today's sermon. Good afternoon again, New City West End. When I started this, it's good to see you all. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Natal. We can keep going. Merry Christmas. So today we're actually, um, we're going to transition. We've been focusing on Jesus as our prophet, priest, and king during the time of Advent. We've been focusing on Jesus as our prophet, priest, and king. And last Sunday, Pastor Thurman, he reminded us that Jesus is our king who is still on the throne. Amen? He's still on the throne right now at the right hand of God the Father. And today, we're going to transition from Advent towards the new year, what's also called Epiphany, to focus on the wisdom of Jesus our king. To focus on the wisdom of Jesus our king. As many of you know... We've been walking through the shorter catechism questions, prophet, priest, and king. But today, I want us to consider the question number four. Maybe some of you know the answer to this. What is God? You guys know it? Go for it. They got it. A hundred points. Wow, yeah. So for those of you who didn't hear, the answer to what is God, question number four in the Shorter Catechism, is that God is a spirit. He's infinite, eternal, and unchanging. And his being wisdom, everyone say wisdom. Wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And out of this short description, today we're just going to focus on the wisdom of God. So we're in Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, chapter 2. It's there in your bulletin. Proverbs 2, just verses 1 through 8. It's in the Old Testament. It's after a book called Psalms before Ecclesiastes. I know this is a weird passage for Christmas, but it's also a very important passage for Christmas as well. So are you guys there, Proverbs 2, 1 through 8? Yep, amen. Let me hear amen if you're there. Your gadget, your Bible. I think it's on the screen. It's on the bulletin. All right, Proverbs 2, 1 through 8 starts by saying, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of of his saints. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we ask you again for wisdom. This passage says that you give us wisdom. And Lord, we need that wisdom. Father, we come to you asking you, Holy Spirit, to open our eyes and our ears. Make us as good soil that's ready to receive your word and to live in light of it. Yes, Holy Spirit, come and do that now. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Everyone say wisdom. 
Wisdom. What is wisdom? I have one, I have one professor who said wisdom. He had this short saying. He said, wisdom is the skill and the art of godly living. Wisdom is a skill and the art of godly living. In other words, it's a way of life. It's a way of life that's centered on God. And we live in a world where we need this wisdom. We live in a world that's confused. The world that's filled with confusing voices. Some of you, in the midst of, of, of living in this world that's confused, filled with confusing voices, wonder, as you look at all the data, you wonder, where is God? And the Bible tells us that both the wise and the fool analyze the same data, the same information, and they wonder that. Where is God? But the Bible also tells us that those who are wise respond to that question differently than those who are fools. You see, the book of Proverbs talks a lot about fools and wise and the wicked, and it tells us to follow the way of wisdom because there are lots of voices. God knows that there are lots of voices that try to lead us astray from his word and from his truth. You see, some of you are lost in confusion. Maybe you don't know that God in Christ, some of you online or some of you here, maybe you don't know that God in Christ has come to reveal himself to you. That God in Christ has come to help those that don't know God to know God. But most of you, I know you, you know this. So you actually come here, you're not lost, but, but you're weary and you're weighed down. Is anyone here weary and weighed down? Weary and weighed down, maybe by, by the confusion that comes by being conditioned by sin and by death. The confusion that comes, the Bible says this explicitly, that comes from the adversary who whispers in our ears that God doesn't care about you. That God doesn't have your best interests in mind. You see, like Eve, the adversary, Satan, comes to our ears to whisper, did God really say? Did God really say? And it causes us to distrust God. Maybe you're believing that God doesn't have your best interests in mind. Maybe you believe that you have no value in our society because of the confusing voices you're hearing. Maybe it's just because life, in the mundaneness of life, in the ordinary parts of life, you have to make decisions between good things and bad things, right things and wrong things, and you're just weary of doing that because you're, you're, you're trying to decide between the good and good. Or you're trying to decide between the good and the bad, the wrong and the right. But thanks be to God, and this is going to be our focus today. Thanks be to God that it's in the context of confusion that God gives us wisdom. Everyone say, God gives us wisdom. You see, the book of Proverbs, it was written to shape us as a people who receive God's wisdom. Actually, in that time, it was written to, to young boys who may become kings or to leaders. But today, it's for all of us. And it's meant to give us wisdom so that we, we would live with the wisdom of God, to be shaped as those who know wisdom, who love wisdom. In fact, in Proverbs 1, verses 1 to 2, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And right there, it's just in, in about two, four, five words. It says, to know wisdom and instruction. That's why it was written, so that we would know wisdom and instruction. And so today, our passage is just calling us to see that we have a king who kneels down to give us wisdom, wisdom that guides us, that guards us, and gives us life. It's going to be a really short sermon, but I know it's very important for us to understand that wisdom comes down to guide us, guard us, and give us life. Amen? So guide us. Look with me in, in verse 1. The passage said, My son, 
if, everyone say if, if you receive my words and treasure my commandments with you. And then it says again in verse 3, it says, yes, if, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. Then it says it again in verse 4, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. And then, and then here's the response, then, if, 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 then you will find, then you will understand, I'm sorry, the, the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Notice that it's, it's, it's a pattern that if you go in this way, then you will find this. If, if you receive God's words and his commandments, you will be guided. God will guide you. God will give you the wisdom that you need for the moment that you need it. So the passage is telling us we're called to receive and apply God's words and commandments. That's what wisdom is, to receive God's word and his commandments. So they function if you understand like how it's kind of speaking, the book of Proverbs speaks kind of strangely. It compares some words, and it's comparing the word words and commandments. If you imagine, if you, have a, if you have a child who's about to cross the street, and there's a car going 50 miles an hour, you raise your voice and say, stop! You want that child to listen to the word you just said, right? So that they won't run in front of the car. That's what this is inviting us to consider. God has given us words and commandments. Words and commandments that we're called to follow because they guide us. The wisdom of God comes down to guide us. But also notice this imagery, and I want you guys to participate here. In verse 2, there's imagery of ears. Everyone point at your ears. Now point at your mouths. Now point at your eyes. Good job. There's imagery of ears, mouths, and eyes. So notice the imagery. It gives us in verse 2, it says, Making your ear attentive to wisdom. And inclining your heart to understanding. So God's wisdom here, God is showing us that he gives us wisdom to guide our ears. To open our ears to hear. To have the humility to learn from him as a student does from his teacher. But also notice the next one, the mouth. In verse 3 it says, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. So it's connecting that you would proclaim what it is that you heard. But also notice that it's, it's relational. There's an engagement there between us and God. Wisdom comes down because wisdom is actually a person. Spoiler alert. The wisdom is God in Christ come down to us. And it's making it kind of explicit here. If you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. So ears, mouth, and then it switches to eyes. In verse 3 it says, if you seek it. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. So ear, mouth, eyes. There's a movement there. There's a movement of receiving, of hearing. There's a movement of proclaiming and engaging with what you hear. And then there's, there's a movement of seeing what it is that God might do through what you hear. Through what you've heard. What, what God will do through his word. You guys remember how it was that God created he spoke. He said light and there was light. Do you guys remember when Jesus was on the boat with his disciples? How did that roaring sea stop? Because of Jesus' voice. The Bible is inviting us here to hear, to proclaim, and to see that God's word is wisdom come down to us here and now. God's wisdom comes down to guide us. And where, lastly, on this section, I want to I ask you, where does this wisdom guide us to? Or to whom does it guide us to? Look in verse 5. It says, Then, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. 
So where does this wisdom that comes down guide us to? Who does it guide us to? You can say it. It guides us to God. It guides us to the Lord. Isn't that interesting? So God gives us wisdom to guide us to himself. Isn't that beautiful? Because you remember in the garden that Adam and Eve sinned against God and rebelled against him, and they were kicked out of the garden. And this is God moving towards his children to bring them back into relationship with him. Are you here, and have you been brought back into relationship with God? Are you here, and do you know this wisdom that comes down to guide you to himself? You see, God's wisdom has come down so that we could have a relationship with him. You guys remember in Exodus when God guided Israel out of slavery? You guys remember that? In the book of Exodus, it's a great story. God sends Moses, who's scared to go, he sends Moses to go to this big king, Pharaoh. Imagine a big nation, and you're a little people, and he tells one of your leaders, go to the big nation's leader and tell him, let my people go. And so he goes, and you guys know this story. And they go, and then ten plagues happen. There's a back and forth. Pharaoh doesn't let him go. Then he says, let my people go. He doesn't let him go. Let my people go. And then finally, after ten plagues, they go. They leave Egypt. But do you remember what happens immediately after they leave Egypt? They're, they're confronted by this Red Sea. And who's behind them? Pharaoh. Yeah, Pharaoh and his army. The Egyptian army is behind him. So they're stuck in front of the Red Sea, and then they have the Egyptian army behind them. And God is guiding them in this. And you can imagine, in the eyes of the Egyptian army, they were probably thinking, we got them. We got them. They're stuck. But in the eyes of Israel, you're probably thinking, and your heart's broken. You're like, they got us. We got freed from nothing. But in the wisdom of God, what happens next? You see, no human wisdom could have conjured this. It was the wisdom of God to split the Red Sea, to guide his people through it, so that they would be freed from slavery and brought into liberation, into a relationship with him. And behind them, the Red Sea crushed the Egyptian army. You guys ever experienced that when you're in front of a Red Sea and there's an Egyptian army behind you, but God makes a way? You guys ever experienced that? This is what the wisdom of God does. It guides his people. You don't know what you don't know, but God is with you and he's for you, guiding you. He guided Israel as a pillar of fire by night. He guided them as a cloud by day until where did they go? Where did he guide them to? He guided them to, the, to Mount Sinai where they received the law, the commandments, God's words and commandments that they would live in light of what God spoke to them. You guys know Psalm 119 talks about this word and commandment. It says that it's a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Do you guys know God's words and commandments as a lamp unto your feet? As a light to your path? God's wisdom comes down to guide us. So what does this mean for us this Christmas 2021? What does it mean for us that God's wisdom comes down to guide us? Just two short things. And these are actually the applications throughout. It means that we must come to him. Come to him with your questions or confusion. Come to him with your circumstances. If you feel like you're, you're in front of a Red Sea and an Egyptian army is behind you, come to him. He's interested in guiding you through it. Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3 says, The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. He leads me by, by still waters, by green pastures. Let me read it because I'm misquoting it. Psalm 23, you guys know it? It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Is anyone here in need of being led to green pastures? Do any of you need to be led to still waters? Do any of you need your soul to be restored? God is saying that he gives his wisdom so that your soul could be restored, so that you would be led to still waters. This is our God, church. He sends wisdom to guide us. So we must come to him. But also, we must trust him. That's it. Come to him and trust him. You're going to hear me say that a couple times. Trust him. This one's pretty difficult. Because I'm certain some of you have been through a lot of things and sometimes it's difficult as you analyze all the data to wonder if God is really for you. Pastor Thurman says it like this. He says, sometimes we know that God is able, but we don't, we don't really believe that he's willing. We know he's able, but is he willing? Some of us know that God is with us, but we don't, we don't really believe that God is for us. The Bible here in Proverbs 2 is inviting us to understand that we can trust him. That wisdom guides us to a God who's trustworthy, to a God who created us in his image, to a God who has redeemed us and made a way where there was no way. Amen? Amen. Could anyone bear witness to that song that says, I'm in no ways tired, and I am tired right now. I'm in no ways tired. I've gone too far from where I started from. Nobody told me that the road would be easy. But I don't believe he's brought me this far to leave me. Can any of you bear testimony to that? That God has not brought us this far to leave us. But also what we see in our text is that the wisdom of God that comes down not only guides us, but it guards us. Everyone say guards. Guards, like a shield. It guards us. Look with me in verse 6. It says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The Lord gives wisdom. That term in Hebrew, gives, it, it could mean like hands down. Hands down. You have to imagine God is our king who kneels before us and gives us gifts. He, he, he hands down. He gives. And what is it that he gives? He gives us knowledge and understanding. Now those two words are interesting because I told you earlier the book of Proverbs compares words and just before this verse, in verse 5, it says, Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And here it flips those over and it says, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Understanding and knowledge, knowledge and understanding. And, and I tried a lot to unpack this for myself because it's, it's really difficult to read the book of Proverbs. You have to do a lot of work to dig into it. It takes a lot of work. But knowledge, I found throughout Proverbs, it's kind of a word to describe information, that you're being given, you're being given information, but it's personal information. It's relational information. So if you wanted to know me, you would start asking me, where are you from? How old are you? You would have a, a conversation with me. It's that type of information, God giving us that information that knowledge about himself. But then understanding is, actually, I, th I thought this was fascinating. It, it's, 
It's applying that knowledge, that information in ordinary, everyday life. It's, it's a practical way of living. So taking the data and then applying it. Some of you, I'm certain, are way better at this than I am because I struggle to even understand this. We're not just supposed to know stuff. We're supposed to live with our hearts and our hands in light of what we receive in our minds. So God here is being, being depicted as, as a good teacher. Any of you guys ever had a good teacher? A really good teacher? I get to teach at the Freedom School and it's an honor to see um, Miss Angie. Miss Angie often, when she comes up to a student um, who's struggling, who's wondering about something, she'll, she'll lower herself to that child's level and help them understand. And sometimes I get to see teachers do that next to the desks of these students. They'll, they'll kneel next to the desk of a student. It's kindergarten through seventh grade, for those of you who don't know about the Freedom School. And then kneel next to the student to help that student understand what they're not understanding. That's, that's kind of the picture we're being given here. God is like a good teacher who hands down information. But what's fascinating, I found this fascinating, it's especially important for those of you who struggle with the same struggles that I do, wondering if God is trustworthy. The information God gives us is, is meant to guard us, to guard our hearts. He gives us information that guards us, like a teacher who gives information to a student to guard them in the midst of a confusing world. It's important to know math because maybe one day you'll be in a job where they're not paying you what you're supposed to be paid. It's important to know math so then you can tell the difference. It's important to know how to read because then when you sign stuff from banks or wherever you're signing stuff, you can read what you're signing. I remember being at school and wondering, why are we doing this? And now that I'm 31, I'm like, oh, that's why. <laughs> that's why we do this. That's why we learn math and reading. But this is actually more than that. This is knowledge and understanding of God. It's divine knowledge condescending, coming down, to, to, to protect us from what? From lies. Why do I say that? Look with me in verse 7. It says, He, He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. And it says again, He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. God storing up, stores up sound wisdom that leads us to a refuge. This verse says it explicitly. Everyone say shield. That term in verse 7 could also mean refuge. Shield. God's a shield, a refuge. And it actually says in that verse, it says that he is a shield. It's no longer talking about just wisdom. It connects it directly to God. It says that he is a shield. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. That's the first part of verse 7. And the second part says that he is a shield to those who walk in integrity. So God is showing us that his wisdom comes down to shield us, to protect us, to guard us. His words and his commandments are given to guard us. God is a wise king ready to hand us sound wisdom from his treasury. You know, I wasn't raised a believer, and I've shared part of this story with most of you. I was raised believing a lot of things except for the Christian faith. I was raised believing a lot of things. I had friends who were Hindu. I had friends who were Muslim. I had a friend who was actually Wiccan. I played upright bass in this, in this string orchestra, and we would argue all the time. 
What do you believe? Why do you believe what you believe? I don't know if you guys have ever had that, but I struggled with a, with, with, with a lot of things that were being taught to me. People were telling me what to believe and who to believe in. Maybe you experienced that on TikTok. Some of you Gen Z or millennials, you're taught what to believe and who to believe often. You are. You shake your head. You are being taught every moment. But also, all of us are being taught what to believe and who to believe all the time from news outlets, from, from whatever book you pick up, from friends, from family. I don't know if at Christmas you're sitting around a table hearing people tell you what to believe and why to believe it or what to not believe and why not to believe it. And our Bible, you know, it says this, this very fascinating thing. It says to someone like me who's lost in the midst of all the confusion, it says that there's someone named Satan and Jesus calls him the father of lies. In John 8, he calls him the father of lies. And Peter says, your adversary, the devil, he's like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And I want you all to consider this because I know many of you are wiser than me. How is it that Satan, the adversary, comes to devour us? Think about it. Think about it in your life. How is it that he's come to devour the truth that you've been taught? How is it that he's come to devour? Maybe... Maybe he's done it by telling you lies about yourself. Lies you've heard all your life, that you're not worth it, that you're unlovable, that you don't matter, or that one of the biggest lies right now in our culture is that we're all just matter. We're all just atomic matter. And so, therefore, we have no significance or meaning. But our Bible tells us that we're made in the image of God. The wisdom of God comes down to guard us from the lies of the adversary. The wisdom of God comes down to guard us from the father of lies. In John 14, 6, Jesus says that he's the way, the truth, and the life. So what? What what, what does this mean for us? Well, same thing I shared earlier. It simply means that we're called to come to him. Jesus in Matthew 11 says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's come to him. And live in light of what he tells us. Let's trust him. Let's trust the word of Jesus that he came so that we might know him. So that we might be loved by God. Alright, the third point. The wisdom of God comes down to guard us, to guide us, but lastly to give life. Everyone say, give life. Give life. life. This is also in the last two verses of our passage. Verse 7 says, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Notice that. Who is it talking about? God is the one who stores up sound wisdom, but for who? For the upright. And it says, God, he is a shield to those who walk in integrity. And then verse 8 says, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Those phrases are describing a people, the upright, those who walk in integrity. Many of you already know this, but the image that's being given is an image of childlike trust. Childlike submission to God. The upright and those who walk in integrity are those who know that God made a way where there was no way and they trust Him. They look at the same data and they wonder, where is God? And they can say, I don't know, but I know He's with me and He's for me. It's referring to those who walk believing that their king is full of wisdom for them. Their king is one who they can trust, love, and serve. Are you here? Do you trust, love, and serve King Jesus? And notice that last phrase. It says the way of his saints. Everyone say saints. 
is the last part of our passage. The way of his saints. That term means called ones. In fancy Reformation theology, it's the elect. It's those God has called to be his own. It's the sheepfold of the good shepherd. It's those who hear his voice and listen to his voice. Those who know him. Those who love him and trust him. Those who receive him as their Lord by faith. As their only redeemer by faith. In the book of Ephesians, there's a quick and short way of describing what this wisdom that comes down is like. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, it says, this is speaking about all of us. It says, without Christ, before Christ, it says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. In other words, that's saying we were dead. We were enslaved and we were enemies of God. But then it switches to say, but God, being rich in mercy... But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And this is the wisdom that's come down today. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated. And God seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that at the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. By grace you have been saved through faith. We're saved by grace through faith, church. This is the wisdom that's come down. And in closing, since it's Christmas time, I just want to say the Christmas story is about this wisdom that's come down, right? This is not new news, but it is good news that we must tell ourselves over and over and over. The Christmas story is about God coming in the flesh. God coming to give us life. And how did he do it? He did it by being born as a human. He did it by being born as a baby in a manger through a poor family. He did it by being born in circumstances in a, in a stable. <laughs> the word became flesh and dwelt among us, says the Gospel of John. This is how we can know that wisdom has come down to guide us to guard us and to give us life because Jesus Christ has come down. But I don't want to end there because the story continues. It says we don't just look back to the birth of Jesus. We look forward to the return of Jesus who comes back to wipe away every tear, to make all things new and to restore all of us. Maybe we won't know all the answers to all our questions, to all of our confusion, but we can trust that he's coming back because he came. We can trust that he's coming back because he came, church. Let's pray. Thanks for listening, and God bless.